0: Today from the Global Lane, as American help in Gaza expands, U.S. border intelligence warns Hamas terror attacks may come to the U.S.
1: There was just a a Palestinian national, as a matter of fact, who was arrested in Houston with weapons, and he had been in touch with jihad groups, and so it looks as if a jihad attack was imminent there.
0: Goodbye Private Practice, the corporate takeover of independent doctor's offices. The federal
2: government, uh, through the Medicare Payment Scheme, is subsidizing their destruction.
0: War, rumors of war, crime, cultural and political
3: confusion. Are these the end times? People need not worry and fear. Jesus said uh, the end is going to come, but all these things must come to pass. American high school students call for the destruction of Israel.
0: And it's all right here on the global lane. Don't do it. That was President Biden's message to Iran. Now he's telling Israel not to proceed with the ground war against Hamas. Biden wants more time to negotiate the release of hostages. Earlier this week, Hamas freed two elderly women, one 85 years old, and another 79. Well, joining us to share his thoughts on this strategy is Jihad Watch director Robert Spencer. Robert, good to talk with you. So delay the ground assault to buy more time for Hamas and the release of hostages. What do you think of that strategy?
1: It's another catastrophic example of how the Biden regime is essentially on the side of Hamas. Biden went all the way over to Israel just to announce that he was giving $100 million to Gaza, and he warned that it must not go to Hamas. But there's really not a single mechanism in place in Gaza that will prevent that money from going to Hamas. The Biden regime must know that. Now, in terms of the hostages— the people the, – the, there's one nation that is mediating between Hamas and the United States in regard to the American hostages, and that's Qatar, which is a – Muslim Brotherhood supporter, the Hamas leaders were gathered in Qatar on October 7th, watching footage of the attacks in Israel and celebrating, giving thanks to Allah for the massacres of Israeli civilians. And the Biden regime is actually going to this nation to deal with Hamas about the hostages. It just shows that the regime is doing all that it can to stymie Israel's efforts to go into Gaza and eradicate Hamas once and for all.
0: Well, I thought we had, we've designated them a terrorist organization, so I thought we had this uh, rule about not negotiating with terrorists, but doesn't seem to apply here. And you've followed the tactic and, and strategy of Hamas for years. They're very good at public relations and propaganda. Israel is releasing graphic images from the Hamas October 7th Day of Terror and journalists were in tears apparently some said it was the worst savagery they've ever seen so is that the way to counter disinformation and educate the public about the true nature of hamas what do you think Robert? yes
1: unfortunately i understand the israeli reluctance to release these images in light of respect for the victims and their families. At the same time, there is an intense propaganda war going on, and there is immense doubt about what exactly happened. Israel needs to face this head-on.
0: Well, all eyes are on northern Israel and Hezbollah. Some reports are coming out of Lebanon that Hezbollah doesn't really want to risk war with Israel. Most people in Lebanon don't want war. They're suffering enough with an economy that's in shambles, so... What do you think Hezbollah will do?
1: I actually hope that Hezbollah will do nothing in light of the fact that they are indeed in control in Lebanon, but there is a very significant portion of the population that opposes them, that is disgusted with them, and could well end their hegemony in Lebanese politics if they get involved in this war with Israel. Uh, The Lebanese have dealt with the Palestinians before, and not, not very positively. They have been involved in the conflict between Israel and the Palestinians more or less unwillingly on several occasions. Palestinians have committed violence in Lebanon. They are not popular in Lebanon, and Lebanon does not want to go to war on their behalf.
0: Yes, people there remember uh, what happened when uh, the Palestinians were uh, living in Lebanon uh, and in control of many of the camps and so forth. So, meanwhile, China's moving its navy around the Middle East region. They have a strengthened alliance with Russia and Iran. President Xi Jinping recently met again with vladimir putin so how likely is a bigger war here with them against israel the united states and some nato countries robert
1: it is extremely possible i certainly hope it doesn't happen but the biden regime will be doing all it can to stir things up and make it happen they seem to want war uh they are playing brinksmanship in all kinds of ways uh, particularly in Ukraine, and trying to provoke a wider war. Uh, in this case, we can only hope that cooler heads will prevail. There's an interlocking series of alliances, much like what led to World War I that is in place here now. But with the Biden regime working surreptitiously, more or less, on behalf of Hamas while professing alliance with Israel, uh, it's, a, it's an extremely volatile situation.
0: And you had mentioned uh, Qatar, but what about Turkey? I mean, they're housing many of these Hamas leaders, and they've been on their side for many years, uh, also on the side of ISIS when they were fighting uh, in, in Syria. So what about Turkey and Erdogan?
1: Well, you know, Gary, I've been uh, calling for years, uh, ever since 9-11, as a matter of fact, for a realignment of our alliances. And Turkey is the principal... Uh, instance of the fact that our alliances are based on old outmoded Cold War models that have no applicability anymore. Turkey is not really an ally of the United States. It's on the side of Hamas and the global jihad. They are just illustrating this yet again now in this new conflict. They have no business being in NATO, much less still being considered for membership in the European Union.
0: Well, let's look at home. Uh, U.S. Customs and Border Protection Internal Intelligence Uh, warns that Hamas militants may attempt to cross the southern U.S. border to unleash terror here. And I'm assuming you believe Hamas, Hezbollah, and Iran may already have sleeper cells in place in the U.S. So what's the likelihood that we may see similar attacks here like we saw in Israel on October 7th?
1: I think that's extremely likely. Unfortunately, uh, that was just a, a Palestinian national, as a matter of fact, who was arrested in Houston with weapons, and he had been in touch with jihad groups. And so it looks as if a jihad attack was imminent there and was headed off just in time. Meanwhile, there have been 659 people on the terror watch list who were apprehended at the southern border in the last year, and that's just the ones who got caught. There were also no fewer than 30,000 Turkish nationals caught at the border since 2021. Now Turkey, as we just noted, was a a big supporter of ISIS, is a big supporter of Hamas now. And so it's virtually certain that among those 30,000 Turks, there's at
0: least some jihadis. Jihad Watch director, Robert Spencer. Thank you, Robert, for providing those insights. We appreciate it. Thank you wasn't too long ago that Americans expressed concern over the push for socialized medicine and Obamacare. Now, concerns are growing about the corporate takeover of health care. Small doctor's offices are becoming a thing of the past as big hospitals and corporations buy up physician practices. Well, here with us to explain is Dr. Keith Smith. He's co-founder of the Surgery Center of Oklahoma. Okay, Dr. Smith, so you believe Medicare and a dual payment scheme have led to more than half of all doctor's offices now being owned by hospitals and corporations. So break it down for us so we can understand what is happening.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, Independent physician practices are becoming harder and harder to find because the federal government, uh, through the Medicare payment scheme, is subsidizing their destruction. And And they're doing that by... Uh, paying hospital employed doctors about double what uh, what independent doctors are paid by Medicare for the very same service. This is also true uh, in outpatient surgical services. Um, I run an outpatient surgery center, and uh, Medicare pays a hospital-owned surgery center double uh, what they pay an independent surgery center for the very same service. So, this subsidy in effect um, is enabling hospitals uh, to do what they do, to go out and buy physician practices to offer um, really above wage rates for all kinds of services. Uh, and really it's distorting the marketplace. It allows them to buy out their competitors. It, it allows hospitals it, with this subsidy to buy out struggling rural uh, hospitals and consolidating the industry.
0: Well, it seems like the uh, government is complicit then in the corporate takeover of health care. So how does this corporate monopoly then affect patient care costs and competition? Tell us a little more.
2: Well, to, to put it very plainly, if if a patient goes to see a physician and the physician works for a hospital uh, that that physician works for the hospital, they don't work for the patient. Let me give you an example. Every single day, uh, a primary care doctor who is a hospital employee sees patients who, who need a referral to a specialist. They need their gallbladder taken out. And they know that across town, the best gallbladder surgeon in the entire region is available and would see them right away. But that's an independent doctor and they cannot make a referral there uh, to, that page, to that physician without putting their own, uh, their own job at risk. The hospital employment of physicians thoroughly distorts the competitive marketplace that would normally put a a, a bad restaurant out of business. You You have bad doctors who have a constant stream of referrals because they happen to be employed by the same hospital system that employs the primary care doctors making these referrals. The government, through the Medicare payment scheme, has subsidized this. They have enabled this. And I think they have blood on their hands. They they talk constantly about their budget shortfalls and how budget-strapped Medicare is and how these new innovative payment strategies like ACOs and Medicare Advantage, I don't think they care at all uh, about the money. I think they care about control uh, and they they have to answer for a lot, I believe, of patient harm that's that's downstream of these favors that have been passed out to the crony hospital pals.
0: And we wonder why a lot of doctors are retiring. So what is the solution then?
2: You know, the solution and the beginning of the solution, I think, is to think about the problem very differently than we have up to this point. I don't believe there is any fixing uh, the system. The system is a cesspool um, it is the result of decades of political lobbying and favors, um, and and unraveling it and undoing it is it's going to be very tough. I think I think the best way to think about the problem is is not to change or revolutionize what's wrong, but to just do things differently and kind of a parallel system. And the good news for the American people is that that parallel free market sort of system is vibrant, it's alive and well, and it's growing. I'm a part of it. The Surgery Center of Oklahoma in 2009 put all of our all-inclusive prices online for everyone to see, and it started a price war. And we have we have this competitive marketplace that it's not just in the developmental stage, It is it is vibrant in the United States.
0: Nothing like competition. Okay, Dr. Keith Smith of the Surgery Center of Oklahoma Thank you for providing us with those insights. We appreciate it.
2: You bet. Thanks.
0: Daily images of war in Gaza and Ukraine on your smartphone and TV. Murder, crime, inflation on the rise, migrants pouring over the border, and biological boys and girls' locker rooms. Are you stressed out? Is it a little too much to take? A sign of the end times? Well, joining us is youth culture and apologetics author, radio host... Alex McFarland. He's co-author of the new book, 100 Bible Questions and Answers for Families. Alex, it's good to talk with you again. So we're living in troubling times. I'm sure people are now asking you, is this war in Gaza about to usher in the end times? What do you tell people?
3: Uh, Well, it could. Uh, We're watching it escalate even before our very eyes. The U.S. is getting involved. Other nations are uh, bringing troops and armaments to the middle east uh, this this thing could escalate very quickly and you know the bible tells us in ezekiel 38 that in the end times the nations of the arabian peninsula will attack israel in psalm 83 there are uh, about 15 or 16 nations that are now islamic nations that are uh, going to fight against israel but as always god will undertake for israel and whether this is uh, a battle leading toward the end, or a battle that will escalate uh, into uh, World War III, we know that God will sustain the nation of Israel, and Israel's enemies will ultimately be defeated.
0: Well, even a lot of Christians are feeling stressed right now because of daily events, a bit worrisome about these developments in our culture, domestic and international politics. So. How can they calm their anxiety?
3: Wow well the the number one step in any era of history to having peace and fulfillment is to be born again and have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we often say this Jesus is as close by as a prayer and the 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 step, for, you know, peace and being uh, set free from worry and fear, and people need not worry and fear. Jesus said, uh, the end is going to come, but all these things must come to pass. Now, let me just say this, though. Uh, It is time to have one's house in order, spiritually, financially, uh, emotionally, but Let me say as a nation, uh, as an American, I pray that America will always stand with Israel. Tell us about your
0: latest book with Bert Harper, 100 Bible Questions and Answers for Families. Uh, Your last one was 100 Bible Questions and Answers. So why this one specifically for families?
3: sociologists are, are warning that if America doesn't rebuild the family, that we're headed toward what is called demographic winter. And so while a myriad of biblical worldview issues are very important to talk about apologetics, defending the faith, uh, my heartbeat has been to be a champion for family. And we wrote this book. These are actual questions from radio and television listeners and on my um <laughs> endless speaking tours, Uh, and these are 100 Bible questions and answers from children, from grown-ups. It's about marriage. It's about parenting. It's about imparting a biblical worldview in the home, healthy conflict resolution in the family. But we are just calling on people of all ages, but especially young people, to number one, love the Lord Jesus Christ, but be a champion for family.
0: What's the top question you get? I'm sure there's one that you get a lot of people asking you.
3: Well, uh, in, in terms of biblical worldview, one of the most common questions is what we would call the problem of pain and suffering. You know, uh, even kids are asking, you know, uh, why doesn't God stop the war in the Middle East? You know, why do bad things happen? And that's a uh, a very common question. And we know evil, sin, terrorism, murder, things happen because— Uh, we're fallen. Uh, The problem of pain and suffering doesn't mean that there is no God, but it simply illustrates how desperately we need a savior. But in terms of just personal feelings and life, uh, one young man in the book, a first grade boy, asked what we would call an existential question. Why did God make people? And why did God make me? Uh, it's it's very interesting. Over the last 20 years of apologetics, we've seen the questions follow this trajectory. Evidential, emotional, existential. You know, 20 years ago, kids were asking, how do we know the Bible is true? And that, they still ask that. Or, you know, how do we know that Moses parted the Red Sea? Evidence, evidential. And then emotional you know, if God loves me, why do I feel lonely? Why, why did my parents split up when I prayed that they wouldn't? But now we're, we're asking existential questions. What is a human being? And why did God make me? And so the good news is that the Word of God has the answer. And we, we can give people a good answer, whether it's an evidential question, emotional pain, or just an existential crisis like transgenderism has pretty much forced on the culture the idea that there is no such thing as gender, which is completely false. But what we're doing is calling people out of the, the fog of a 21st century world that has nearly forgotten truth. Okay,
0: the book is 100 Bible Questions and Answers for Families. Alex McFarland, always a pleasure talking with you. God bless you. Thank you. Gilad Erdan, the Israeli ambassador to the United Nations, is calling on the U.N. Secretary General to resign over remarks he made about the October 7th Hamas terror massacre. After stating that nothing can justify the deliberate killing, injuring, and kidnapping of civilians, Antonio Guterres added this, which led to the outrage.
2: It is important to also recognize the attacks by Hamas did not happen in a vacuum. The Palestinian people have been subjected to 56 years of suffocating occupation.
0: So what the U.N. Secretary General is saying is that Israel's mistreatment of the Palestinians caused the massacre. Elad Erdan demands that Guterres immediately resign if he does not apologize.
2: This building was prevent, was was established to prevent atrocities. How can the secretary general, with his words, justify in any way the terrible atrocities that happened to our civilians, innocent civilians?
0: Folks, the U.N. Secretary General's statement is symptomatic of a bigger problem at the U.N. and worldwide. No matter what Israel does, there's always criticism. A standard is required that is rarely demanded of other countries facing annihilation. When the United States was attacked on 9-11, it responded forcefully against al-Qaeda in Afghanistan. We can debate the wisdom of a two-decade occupation, but no one blamed the U.S. for responding in that way, waging a war to eliminate al-Qaeda. It is the same for Israel. Proportionally, October 7th was 15 times worse than America's 9-11. And most concerning for Israel is the public relations war. A recent Harvard-Harris poll found that a near majority of American 18- to 34-year-olds share the view of the United Nations Secretary General. 51% of 18- to 24-year-olds polled, and 48% of 25- to 34-year-olds said... The Hamas attacks can be justified by the grievance of the Palestinians. And many American teens also share that view. Here's a recent student demonstration at San Francisco's Balboa High School. Folks, most of these students don't know what that means. From the river is the Jordan River, and to the sea is the Mediterranean. That means genocide of the Jews. They're chanting for the destruction of Israel the goal stated in the Hamas Charter. The Anti-Defamation League reports since October 7th, anti-Semitic incidents have increased, up 388% over last year. Folks, Israel has a lot of work to do on the PR and education front, but it begins with you and me. Keep speaking up. Let's not fear sharing the truth. Well, that's it today from the Global Lane. Be sure to follow us on the CBN News and NRB channels, iTunes, YouTube and Rumble. And until next time, be blessed.